Welcome to Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Onaway, Michigan. I'm Pastor Trent Wahlberg, and you're listening to Preaching and the Word. The word for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 to 28. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come in with his angels and glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. What if I told you that there are people out there who are trying to kill me? Never mind the reason. Maybe I know something they don't want me to know. Maybe I said something or did something which in their estimation warrants my death. Would you believe me? I know what you're thinking. It sounds ridiculous. Who could possibly see little old me as a threat? I'm just a lowly pastor, a family man. I don't have a lot of money or power or influence. I'm nobody, really. And yet, as wild and crazy as it might sound, it's true. There are people in this world who would love to see not just me, but you, or any other Christian for that matter, as dead as a doornail. It's not that I could point to anyone in particular and say that this or that person has a bounty on our heads. I don't mean to say that any of our names are written on someone's hit list in this shadowy basement somewhere. I'm not really saying at all that we should be paranoid looking around every corner for assassins. I'm not really saying anything all that shocking, in fact. All I'm saying is that evil exists. Evil people exist who hate God and who oppose his word and his followers. If certain people conspired to kill Jesus and his disciples, why shouldn't we expect the same thing to happen to us today? In fact, there are many examples that we can point to of this happening. Within the past several years alone, a number of stories have been in the news about church shootings. The problem has become prevalent enough that the elders and I consulted the sh with the sheriff's department to come up with a security plan for the church. We locked the doors after the service got started and keep an eye out for latecomers. I don't want you to worry at all. Nothing is likely to happen. But you know, these days, you can never be too careful. We can sometimes fall into what's called optimism bias, which is the assumption that bad things can't happen. When we're given some bad news, our knee-jerk reaction is often to say, Surely not. That could never happen to me. It's hard for us to imagine a world in which a solar flare or an EMP wipes out our electrical grid. 
We don't want to envision a world in which Russia launches the intercontinental ballistic Satan missile they just deployed. Kind of a funny name that they have for it, calling it Satan. There are some things we would rather not think about or acknowledge. In our gospel text for this morning, Jesus gave his disciples some news that they weren't prepared to handle. Jesus began to show them that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. When Peter heard it, he took Jesus aside and said, Say it ain't so. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. He didn't want to hear such negativity from his master. He was trying to be a good hype man and stay positive for the sake of everyone else. Peter had just made his great confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus had even praised Peter, saying, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood haven't revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. After hearing that, Peter must have been on top of the world. He must have thought that he was the man. He understood who Jesus was and what he had come to do. The Father had showed him Jesus' true identity. But the many things that Jesus said he must suffer didn't fit into Peter's vision of what should happen to the Christ. It was impossible for him to imagine a world in which the Son of the living God would be killed. It seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? How can the living God die? If he were to die, then he wouldn't be living and therefore couldn't be God, right? It's understandable why Peter would object. By default, most of us don't want to entertain the possibility that bad things could happen to us and those we love. It's hard for us to accept the possibility of nuclear war or economic collapse or that there are evil people in this world who want to hurt us. If that's true, then how much more difficult would it be to accept the suffering and death of God's beloved Son? After all, we are sinners. A case could be made that we have done something to deserve God's punishment. We can understand that we live in a fallen world and that bad things happen. What seems unconscionable, however, is when the innocent suffer. Why should it be that the sinless Lamb of God, the Son of the living God, would be killed? Peter seems to be in the right, or at least justified, when he said, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But far from praising Peter, Jesus rebuked him, saying, Get behind me, Satan! Oh, how the mighty have fallen! Peter went from hearing Jesus say, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, to get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. In one moment, not flesh and blood, but the Father in heaven had revealed him revealed to him who Jesus was, and the next moment he was setting his mind on the things of man and not on the things of God. This is how we all are, isn't it? One minute we can be praising God and saying how much we trust him and how much we love him and how awesome he is, and the next minute we can act as if we didn't trust him or love him or fear him at all and act as though he weren't in control. It never ceases to amaze me, for example, that when I think about how blessed Lydia and I are with Violet, 
we have been praying for children for so long, and there were times when it seemed that even adoption wouldn't be possible for us. There are so many unknowns throughout the process, but when we finally took her home, we couldn't believe how perfectly everything worked out. Everything just fell into place. Looking back on it, it was really, as they say, a God thing. But now, now that we're trying to adopt again, albeit through a different route, it seems like roadblocks keep coming up. It's hard to see how it's going to work at all. Miracles aren't a guarantee. But if he did it once before, why should we doubt that he can do it again? Faith and disbelief are constantly at odds within us. We can confess with Peter that Jesus is the Christ one minute, but then doubt that he can overcome death in the next minute. In many ways, Peter represents all of us at our best and at our worst. When he confessed that Jesus, Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, he was saying only what the Father had revealed to all Christians by the power of the Holy Spirit. It didn't come from his own reason or understanding, as we, as Luther explains in the small catechism, that we cannot believe in Jesus Christ our Lord or come to him by our own reason and understanding. At his very best, he could only give credit to God who was revealed in Jesus Christ. But at his worst, he relied on his own reason and strength. When he set his mind on the things of man rather than the things of God, he was called Satan. Human reason tells us that cross and suffering are to be avoided at all costs. We don't even want to entertain the possibility that there are people out there who want to kill us simply because of what we believe. The Joel Osteens of this world would have us believe that we should be living our best life now. Like cross and suffering are not God's plan for you. But Jesus teaches us as clearly, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For if anyone would save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The truth of the matter is, there are many things worse than dying. There are good reasons for denying yourself instant gratification, and there are even compelling reasons for enduring suffering and hardship in this life. Peter believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But what did he think that meant Jesus should do? Presumably, he thought that Jesus should reign in glory from David's throne in Jerusalem. Perhaps he thought that Jesus would take all the kingdoms of the world for himself. That is, after all, one of the things that Satan tempted Jesus with in the wilderness when he took him up on a high peak and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory, he said to Jesus that they would all be his if he would only fall down and worship him. That's why Jesus called Peter Satan and answered him, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul, his very life? Jesus had his sights set on a higher prize than all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. What he hoped to gain was the salvation of your soul. He hoped to win your life. We all, like Peter, have a tendency to shun bad news. It's like we assume that no good can come from it. Peter was so shocked and in a state of disbelief over the prospect of Jesus being tortured and killed that he wasn't even able to hear the good news that came at the end, that on the third day he would be raised. Having his mind on the things of man blinded him to the things of God. So what if there are bad actors out there who seek to ruin the church and, his, and its Christ? 
Suppose each of our names were written on someone's hit list in a shadowy basement somewhere. Would you trade your soul, would you trade your life for the sake of being taken off that list to save yourself for just another day? Let's not kid ourselves. It would be tempting. But remember what Jesus said elsewhere. Do not fear those who can destroy your body but cannot destroy your soul. Jesus was not willing to give up his soul for the world and all its riches. Rather, he laid down his life for you. That's the point Peter was missing in all of his well-meaning exuberance. When he heard Jesus say that the Son of Man must suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised, he must have wondered what good that would be. Obviously, death didn't seem to fit into his vision of what should happen to the Son of the living God. But more than that, what good is rising from the dead if it's just for himself? Perhaps he wondered if Jesus would be raised only to live for another day. What good is it to be resurrected if those who killed you are still around? Wouldn't they just try to do it again? But in fact, this resurrection was much more than that. He wasn't just raised into the same reality that existed before. This resurrection was the Son of Man's entry into his kingdom. After he was raised on the third day, his enemies couldn't touch him. He was impervious to their attacks, and so they tried the next best thing and went after his followers. But they didn't take into account that those who follow him have life that no one can take away. By raising from the dead, Jesus gave life and immortality to all who believe in him. There are indeed many frightening things in this world that we would rather not think about. But rather than being in denial and saying to ourselves, Oh no, that would never happen to me. Far be it, Lord. Let us instead trust in Jesus and say, Come what may, he holds my life safely in his hands. Rather than denying the cross, let us take up our cross boldly and follow Jesus because we know that in the end it leads to life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this show. If you would like to support our ministry here at Holy Cross in Onaway, you can share this podcast and give us a five-star rating. If you would like to make a financial gift, please make checks payable to Holy Cross Lutheran Church and mail it to us at 3786 Glacier Road, Onaway, Michigan, That's G-L-A-S-I-E-R Road, Onway, Michigan, 49765. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.